0: Section Two of The Stratagems and the Aqueducts of Rome. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kristen Hand. The Stratagems and the Aqueducts of Rome by Frontinus. Translated by Charles Bennett. The Stratagems, Book One, Part Two. 2. On Finding Out the Enemy's Plans Scipio Africanus, seizing the opportunity of sending an embassy to Syphax, commanded specially chosen tribunes and centurions to go with Laelius, disguised as slaves and entrusted with the task of spying out the strength of the king. These men, in order to examine more freely the situation of the camp, purposely let loose a horse and chased it around the greatest part of the fortifications pretending it was running away after they had reported the results of their observations the destruction of the camp by fire brought the war to a close during the war with euturia when shrewd methods of reconnoitring were still unknown to roman leaders quintus fabius maximus commanded his brother fabius Ceso who spoke the Etruscan language fluently to put on Etruscan dress, and to penetrate into the Seminian forest where our soldiers had never before ventured. He showed such discretion and energy in executing these commands that after traversing the forest and observing that the Umbrians of the Camerium were not hostile to the Romans, he brought them into an alliance. When the Carthaginians saw that the power of Alexander was so great that it menaced even Africa, they ordered one of their citizens, a resolute man named Hamilier Rodinus, to go to the king, pretending to be an exile, and to make every effort to gain his friendship. When Rodinus had succeeded in this, he disclosed to his fellow citizens the king's plans. The same Carthaginians sent men to tarry a long time at Rome in the role of ambassadors, and thus secure information of our plans. When Marcus Cato was in Spain, being unable otherwise to arrive at a knowledge of the enemy's plans, he ordered 300 soldiers to make a simultaneous attack on an enemy post, to seize one of their men, and to bring him unharmed to camp. This prisoner, under torture, revealed all the secrets of his side. During the war with the Cimbrians and the Teutons, the consul Gaius Marius, wishing to test the loyalty of the Gauls and the Ligurians, sent them a letter, commanding them in the first part of the letter not to open the inner part, which was specially sealed, before a certain date. Afterwards, before the appointed time had arrived, he demanded the same letter back, and finding all seals broken, he knew that acts of hostility were afoot there is also another method of securing intelligence by which the generals themselves without calling in any outside help by their own unaided efforts take precautions as for instance in the etruscan war the consul amelius paulus was on the point of sending his army down into the plain near the town of etelonia when he saw afar off a flock of birds rise in somewhat startled flight from a forest and realized that some treachery was lurking there both because the birds had risen in alarm and at the same time in great numbers he therefore sent some scouts ahead and discovered that ten thousand boii were lying in wait at that point to meet the roman army these he overwhelmed by sending his legions against them at a different point from that at which they were expected in like manner tisiminus son of orestes hearing that a ridge a natural stronghold was held by the enemy sent men ahead to ascertain the facts, and upon their reporting that his impression was without foundation, he began his march. But when he saw a large number of birds all at once fly from the suspected ridge and not settle down at all, he came to the conclusion that the enemy's troops were hiding there. And so, leading his army by a detour, he escaped those lying in wait for him. Hasdrubal, brother of Hannibal, knew that the armies of Livius and Nero had united although by avoiding two separate camps, they strove to conceal this fact. Because he observed horses rather lean from travel, and men somewhat sunburned, as naturally results from marching. 3. On determining the character of the war Whenever Alexander of Macedon had a strong army, he chose the sort of warfare in which he could fight in open battle. Gaius Caesar, in the Civil War, having an army of veterans and knowing that the enemy had only raw recruits, always strove to fight in open battle. Fabius Maximus, when engaged in war with Hannibal, who was inflated by his success in battle, decided to avoid any dangerous hazards and to devote himself solely to the protection of Italy. By this policy he earned the name of Cunctator, the Delayer, and the reputation of a consummate general. Avoiding all risks of battle and abandoning even the defense of their territory, retired within the walls of their city and succeeded in causing Philip to withdraw since he could not endure the delay of a siege. Hasdrubal, the son of Gisco, in the Second Punic War, distributed his vanquished army among the cities of Spain when Publius Scipio pressed hard upon him. As a result, Scipio, in order not to scatter his forces by laying siege to several towns, withdrew his army into winter quarters. Themistocles, when Xerxes was approaching, thinking the strength of the Athenians unequal to a land battle, to the defense of their territory, or to the support of a siege, advised them to remove their wives and children to Trozen and other towns, to abandon the city, and to transfer the scene of the war to the water. Pericles did the same thing in the same state in the war with the Spartans. While Hannibal was lingering in Italy, Scipio sent an army into Africa, and so forced the Carthaginians to recall Hannibal. In this way he transferred the war from his own country to that of the enemy. When the Spartans had fortified Declia a stronghold of the Athenians and were making frequent raids from there, the Athenians sent a fleet to harass the Peloponnesus and thus secured the recall of the army of the Spartans stationed at Declia. When the Germans in accordance with their usual custom kept emerging from woodland pastures and unsuspected hiding-places to attack our men, and then finding a safe refuge in the depths of the forest, the Emperor Caesar Domitianus Augustus, by advancing the frontier of the empire along a stretch of 120 miles, not only changed the nature of the war, but brought his enemies beneath his sway by uncovering their hiding places. 4. On leading an army through places infested by the enemy when the consul amelius paulus was leading his army along a narrow road near the coast in Luenia, and the fleet of the tarentines lying in wait for him had attacked his troops by means of scorpions he placed prisoners as a screen to his line of march not wishing to harm these the enemy ceased their attacks aecilius the spartan when returning from phrygia laden with booty was hard pressed by the enemy who took advantage of their position to harass his line of march he therefore placed a file of captives on each flank of his army since these were spared by the enemy the spartans found time to pass the same aegisilius when the thebans held a pass through which he had to march turned his course as if he were hastening to thebes then when the thebans withdrew in alarm to protect their walls Aegisilius resumed his march and arrived at his goal without opposition. When Nicostratus, king of the Aetolians, was at war with Epirotes, and could enter their territory only by narrow defiles, he appeared at one point as if intending to break through at that place. Then, when the whole body of Epirotes rushed thither to prevent this, he left a few of his men to produce the impression that his army was still there, while he himself with the rest of his troops entered at another place where he was not expected autophrydates the Persian upon leading his army into pisidia and finding certain passes occupied by the pisidians pretended to be thwarted in his plan for crossing and began to retreat when the pisidians were convinced of this under cover of night he sent a very strong force ahead to seize the same place and on the following day sent his whole army across when Philip of Macedon was aiming at the conquest of Greece, he heard that the pass of Thermopylae was occupied by Greek troops. Accordingly, when envoys of the Aetolians came to sue for peace, he detained them, while he himself hastened by forced marches to the pass, and since the guards had relaxed their vigilance while awaiting the return of the envoys, by his unexpected coming he succeeded in marching through the pass." when the athenian general aphirates was engaged in a campaign against the spartan anaxibius on the hellespont near abydus he had to lead his army on one occasion through places occupied by enemy patrols hemmed in on the one side by precipitous mountains and on the other washed by the sea for some time he delayed and then on an unusually cold day when no one suspected such a move he selected his most rugged men rubbed them down with oil and warmed them up with wine, and then ordered them to skirt the very edge of the sea, swimming across the places that were too precipitous to pass. Thus by an unexpected attack from the rear he overwhelmed the guards of the defile. When Gnaeus Pompey on one occasion was prevented from crossing a river because the enemy's troops were stationed on the opposite bank, he adopted the device of repeatedly leading his troops out of camp and back again. Then, when the enemy were at last tricked into relaxing their watch on the roads in front of the Roman advance, he made a sudden dash and effected a crossing. When Porus, a king of the Indians, was keeping Alexander of Macedon from leading his troops across the river Hydespes, the latter commanded his men to make a practice of running toward the water. When by that sort of maneuver he had led Porus to guard the opposite bank, he suddenly led his army across at a higher point of the stream. The same Alexander, prevented by the enemy from crossing the river Indus, began to send horsemen into the water at different points and to threaten to effect a crossing. Then, when he had the barbarians keyed up with expectation, he seized an island a little farther off, at first with a small force, then with a larger one, and from there sent troops to the further bank. When the entire force of the enemy rushed away to overwhelm this band, he himself crossed safely by fords left unguarded and reunited all his troops. Xenophon once ordered his men to attempt a crossing in two places, in the face of Arminians who had possession of the opposite bank. Being repulsed at the lower point, he passed to the upper, and when driven back from there also by the enemy's attack, he returned to the lower crossing, but only after ordering a part of his soldiers to remain behind and to cross by the upper passage, so soon as the Arminians should return to protect the lower the armenians supposing that all were proceeding to the lower point overlooked those remaining above who crossing the upper ford without molestation defended their comrades as they also passed over when appius claudius consul in the first punic war was unable to transport his soldiers from the neighborhood of Regium to messina because the carthaginians were guarding the straits he caused the rumor to be spread that he could not continue a war which had been undertaken without the endorsement of the people and turning about, he pretended to set sail for Italy. Then, when the Carthaginians dispersed, believing he had gone, Appius turned back and landed in Sicily. When certain Spartan generals had planned to sail to Syracuse, but were afraid of the Carthaginian fleet anchored along the shore, they commanded that ten Carthaginian ships which they had captured should go ahead as though victors with their own vessels either lashed to their side or towed behind. Having deceived the Carthaginians by these appearances, the Spartans succeeded in passing by. When Philip was unable to sail through the straits called Stena, because the Athenian fleet kept guard at a strategic point, he wrote to Antipater that Thrace was in revolt, and that the garrisons which he had left there had been cut off, directing Antipater to leave all other matters and follow him. This letter Philip arranged to have fall into the hands of the enemy. The Athenians, imagining they had secured secret intelligence of the Macedonians, withdrew their fleet, while Philip now passed through the straits with no one to hinder him. The Chersonese happened at one time to be controlled by the Athenians, and Philip was prevented from capturing it, owing to the fact that the strait was commanded by vessels not only of the Byzantines, but also of the Rhodians and Chians. But Philip won the confidence of these peoples by returning their captured ships as pledges of the peace to be arranged between himself and the Byzantines, who were the cause of the war. While the negotiations dragged on for some time, and Philip purposely kept changing the details of the terms, in the interval he got ready a fleet, and eluding the enemy while they were off their guard, he suddenly sailed into the Straits. When Chabrius the Athenian was unable to secure access to the harbor of the Samians on account of the enemy blockade, he sent a few of his own ships with orders to cross the mouth of the harbor, thinking that the enemy on guard would give chase. When the enemy were drawn away by this ruse, and no one now hindered, he secured possession of the harbor with the remainder of his fleet. End of section two.